Praise Him. What an anchor we have. Don't sit. Stay up. <laughs> let's, let's go to Philippians. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We continue our journey to the book of Philippians. We're almost done. I hope you're enjoying this journey through the book of Philippians. And tonight we come to chapter 3, verse 12. Of course, we have chapter 4. It's amazing in four chapters how much you can take from God's Word. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 12. Now, as I thought, as I already attained, either we are already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, I'm sorry, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended, but this, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, uh, be thus minded. And if, if in, I'm sorry, and if in anything ye, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the Apostle Paul. Even in prison, he was content. He was content in you, Lord. Help us, Lord, as we look at this book, such an encouraging book. Lord, let, let us take this to heart, Lord. Even tonight, I press forward. I press forward towards the mark. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message tonight is, My Eyes Are on the Prize. My Eyes Are on the Prize. Last week we looked at Paul's magnificent vision of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul made knowing Christ the most important thing in his life because nothing compared with knowing Christ. It is possible for some of us, uh, some of us may have thought Paul really made it, already made or arrived in the Christian life, but he did not arrive. Paul literally in the book of Philippians tells us that he didn't arrive yet. Some people think, you know, I, you know, that's actually a dangerous place to be. I have arrived. I know it all. Nobody can teach me anything because I, I already learned everything. Listen, as long as we live, there's something to learn. Amen. How many times you, uh, I used to say, how many times I heard the, pre the uh, message from that passage and you sit down and go, I never heard that one before. <laughs> you know, because it's God's living word, you know. Yes. You know how many times you open the Bible and you read through the Bible 50 times or so and you go like, oh, how could I never seen that? Or you, you, you know what, God didn't speak to you to that passage. But you know, God speaks to us in many different ways. Sometimes it takes a little word. But Paul did not arrive. Paul said, you know, I didn't arrive yet. So now, so now as if uh, to clear up any misunderstanding here, Paul clarifies that he has not, he did not make it, he didn't arrive, he's not a super Christian. He has not already obtained all this. So he has not already been made perfect. But this truth, rather than discouraging him in the Christian life, uh, instead motivates him all the more to press on towards God's goal for this life. You know, years ago, the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. Anybody remembers that? Somebody told that the, the Patriots was cursed, that they would never win anything. <laughs> also the Red Sox. But I remember one of the players, don't ask me what the name because I already forgot, but I remember the conversation and one of the 
the journalist, uh, uh, right in the field, uh, introduced, got to one of the players and said, so, you win the Super Bowl, how you feel? He goes, I don't know, I thought it was more than this. You see what happens? I thought it was more than this. So, in here, whenever you are feeling discouraged or sluggish in your Christian, lo- Christian walk, let me encourage you, to, I want to encourage you tonight, okay? You have a race to run. Running a good race requires focus, physical uh, fit, and perseverance. Running a race means you are in for the whole, for the long haul. Anybody here ever run a race? We don't have no runners here. All right, I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm the only one. I, I ran marathons. I ran short races. I was not good on short races, but I couldn't endure it. Don't ask me today because I probably won't last more than half a mile. But anyway. So from start to finish, you, you lay all the distractions aside and you remain focused on one thing, moving forward and finishing the race. And let me tell you, I, ne- I, was, not a, I was never professional on these things, but I remember running a marathon in my early years, in my, when I was a teenager, you know, in my 16, 17, and 18. I tell you, when you run for a long distance, your body plays tricks on you. You're thirsty. You need to quit. Your ankle hurts. Uh, your knee hurts, or you have a cramp. Your mind plays, you know, because your mind, your body's getting down because you're getting tired. And it, it those, if you let those discourage you, it, you quit. But the crowd makes a good thing. Somebody gives us something, some water, you put over your head, or you just goggle over and they keep going. And the crowd goes, well, yeah, and you keep on. It encourages you. But your body wants you to quit. Continually, it's always in place tricks in your mind. And the more you go, the longer, the worse it gets. You just have to keep focus on the finish line. You got to keep focus. It's a trophy. It's a prize to win. You know, we Christians, the same thing. It is a long journey. For some, it's long. For others, it's short. But I tell you what, it is we got to keep our eyes on the mark. Paul said, I did not arrive yet, but I'm keeping my eyes on the mark. That's what Paul is saying here. That's why him in prison, he was not discouraged. Actually, it was a place on which he gave the gospel to many people. It was interesting. So he didn't get discouraged with the circumstances because his eyes was on the mark. So, so nobody ever run a race here. So from start to finish, you've got to lay your distractions aside and remain focused. And that's what we do in the Christian life. You don't, you don't look back. You don't turn around. And most important of all, you don't quit. The Bible compares the Christian life to a race. And, that, and now there are different types of races, of course. Uh, there's a, the 100-yard dash, and of course is a short race. And in our daily challenge, which requires focus, effort, and perseverance to overcome the obstacles in your way, uh, you are, uh, uh, but in, uh, the Bible talks about this race here. It's a long-distance race. It's like a marathon. I like that trophy over there. That, was <laughs> that is good. A lot of times I don't look at the outline, but that one caught my eye. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul shares that forward focus with us in this passage today. So Paul focus is on what lies ahead rather than what is behind us. Okay, in fact, he, he strains towards what is ahead of us. He presses on towards the goal in order to win the prize for which God has called him uh, uh, heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what's the prize? All right, so you run this race. What's the prize? His crowns for Jesus. That's the prize. In the end, we get the crowns, and we give it to the Lord because He deserves, not us. 
He saves us. The reason why, this is why we are, why we are because of the salvation that he, he gives us full and free. That's right. What an honor. What an honor. What a privilege. What a time. What an hour. What a, what, what a, that we go in front of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords and say, Lord, you deserve it, not me. Because of you, it is possible. That's the mark. That's the prize. And we, of course, we're not going to talk about those those crowns today. But but Paul, of course, talks about this in several places in the Bible here. So you cannot be passive in your Christian life. You need to keep that forward focus that you will be that will motivate you to persevere, to keep going. If you have a cramp, if you if you feel thirsty, if you feel discouraged, and I can never make it, just keep on going. You need to press on towards the goal. Uh, God has, has for you, and Paul shares with us in these verses three ways that you can do that. And I'm, I want to encourage you tonight on doing that. Let's look at this, those three points tonight. Point number one, make God's goal your own goal. Make God's goal your own. Verse 12 right here. We're going to look at verse 12, see what God says. Every human being in the face of the earth have a goal for living. Everybody have a goal for living. They have something on which they strive and work for. All right, okay. Do you believe that? Everybody has a goal and they strive to work for that. Some people, you know what? I have a guy at work. He doesn't take vacations at a sick time. He works 365 days a week. I tell him, it's like, why in the world? The company gives you time. Why don't you take it? I have too many toys. And I like my toys. What's his goal? Toys. He likes expensive toys. And in order to pay for them, he works. And he works. I said, well, toys get old (laughs) and out of style, aren't they? But see, everybody has a goal in life. Everybody has something to strive for. For some, their goal is to be lazy and sleep long throughout the day. At least some people can. So others is to travel the world. Some are to make as much money as they want. That's That's their goal. But there are some whose goal is just to serve their Lord. And they are content doing just that. What is your goal? What do you strive for? If you are going to press on towards the goal that God is for you, you must first, you must make God's goal your own. Folks, like I said, there's all kinds of goals. There's all kinds of things that people do. But some people are just content serving God. That's their goal. Lord, as long as you allow me to live, I serve you. Dad, they're content that way. They contend that way. And people say, well, you're wasting your time. And you look at them and like, no, I don't. Because I'm doing what I like to do. Right. Not wasting time. Listen, if, I, if, I live for, if my goal is to put God as my first priority, nobody can convince me that if I'm going to the house of God, I'm wasting my time. You follow that? Because that's my goal. That's what I want to do. So let's look at this. Letter A, be honest in your Christian walk. This begins with being honest about where you are in your Christian walk. Notice Paul's honesty. Paul doesn't claim that he is perfect. No one is perfect. And that he has made it in a Christian life or he has arrived. He did. No, he realizes he's still on the journey and that he still has a long way to go. And he shares that honesty with the Philippians. Too often we think that I, I am the only Christian struggling with my Christian life. That which is not true. Listen, folks, all of us struggle. 
You say, well, you know, Alex, all of us struggle. Listen, let me, let, me, let me be very clear to you. You might say, oh, I struggle with this, this, and this. And you're like, all right, I don't struggle with those things. And I open my mouth and I say, I struggle with this, this, and this. And you go, everybody struggles. What can be easy for you to overcome might be hard for somebody else. But all of us struggle with something, something. But you know what? We didn't arrive. You know, we are Christians. We are humans. We have weakness and we struggle with things. So too often we think that we are the only ones wrong, but it's not true. So we too, uh, we look around and, and, at all, uh, 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 um, uh, and we see all the smiling people at church, dressing nice, smelling good, having some suit and ties and stuff, and smiling, and we think that everybody's okay except us. And that's not true. Because behind the smile, a lot of times, a lot of pain. That's right. That's the truth. You know, I mean, sometimes we smile and we joyful, we smile. I, you know, God is good, everything is going. But a lot of times we smile, but, you know, in our hearts, our, our hearts are crying. You know, so that's the truth. So anyone, no, and, uh, anyone not, did not arrive yet. He's no perfect Christian. He's no super Christian. He's just Christian people, and everybody struggles with something. Amen. So I know I haven't arrived yet. I did. But I'm working on getting there. You know, he's still working on me. And that's where with Paul is, is being honest here. Be, be honest about where you are in your Christian walk, and that will help other people be honest too. It is not that we should live with worry. You know, we don't worry. We can't concern, but we don't worry about what people think of us. Listen, let me put it this way. I do not worry about what people think of me. I just don't. You either like me or you don't. You follow that? That should be the way our Christian life is. You either like me or you don't. I am who I am by what? The grace of God. Amen. You know, listen, there's always going to be somebody that will like you. There's always going to be people that like you. You cannot change the way people think of you. I have a man at work that point blank look at me and says, I don't like you. And I look at him and I said, what can I do so you can like me? He says, nothing. I said, Okay. Can we work together? So absolutely. It's okay. I'm good. <laughs> what can I do? Nothing. You know, that's the way people are. Don't listen. The only person you can control, look in the mirror when you go home, is that person you see in the mirror. You cannot control anybody else. You know, that's the reason we say we didn't arrive yet. So let it be. Align your goals with God's goal for your life. Verse 12. For sure every person wants to achieve uh, something by setting goals today in life. But for those who want to save, uh, uh, for those who want to save, uh, we, should, we should get goals, but might like, more like, what about heavenly goals? Heavenly goals. Let me put it this way. Is that good to set goals? Do you set goals in your life? Of course. There's nothing wrong with setting goals. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong setting goals in our Christian walk with the Lord. Nothing wrong with that. Lord, I'll meet with you tomorrow at this time. You say, that's silly. No, it's not. That's encouraging. All right. Lord, I have my prayer closet. Lord, tomorrow we meet each other here, Lord. You know what you're doing? You're communing with God. You're talking to Him. You put value on the Lord. You see, He's setting goals in life. It's good to have goals. It's a proactive thing. It encourages us. You see, 
There are many people, for sure, like I said, every person wants to achieve something by setting goals today in life. But for those who are not saved, they don't have heavenly goals, they have earthly goals. God is not in their thinking. God is not part of their everyday goals. God is foreign to them. That shouldn't be in the mindset of a Christian person. Our goals are to be heavenly directed because that is where we are going to. All right. How can I do that in the workplace? All right. A lot of people here work. How can I set goal that I... Oh, yeah, you can set a goal. Your superior gave you a task. Lord, please guide me. Guide my hands, my mind. Guide everything about me. In the end, the job is done. Thank you, Lord. See your goal? You're working for the Lord now. You set your goals. Lord, that's a, you know what? You retain God in your mind. You set goals heavenly way because now you do an earthly thing, but to God be the glory. That's what we do. See, people can complain about work, and many of us do. People can look at work, and, you know what? But work is not that bad. You know, God give Adam and Eve work. It's not, you know, like a disease or something. Need to God be the glory. I like to work. I don't know about you. I'm not a workaholic, but I like to work. I don't mind working. Okay? It doesn't matter. So what kind of job you like to do? Whatever job I do, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I like to be a preacher full time, but anyway. <laughs> so, so anyway. Look what it says in verse 12. But I follow after, if there any apprehended, uh, that for which I also apprehend for Jesus Christ. In other words, verse 12, I press on to take hold of, of, what, uh, of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. You see, God grabbed hold of Paul because he had a purpose for Paul's life. And if you are a Christian, then God grabbed hold of you because he have a purpose for you, for your life as well. You know, it's like, oh, Lord, where is my purpose for life? To glorify him. Amen. That's right. That's right. All right? Where is my purpose, Lord, to glorify him? And when we be, give God glory for everything we do, he's going to use you more and more. That's right. The world does not understand this, this, these things, folks. That's right. The world does not understand. Look at, that, look at the book of Ephesians. Let me look. Actually, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, actually, it makes this, this, this thing even stronger. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Look what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. It's right there. See, God has a purpose for your life, but in order to fulfill that purpose, you need to, to, to grab hold of, uh, of that which he, he grabbed hold of you. So, and you can only do that as you spend time with Him in the Word and in prayer. Walk close with God, and He will lead you where you're supposed to go. So that is the first step in pressing on towards the goal that God has made uh, as made for us. Be honest in your Christian walk. Align your goals with God's goal for your life. So number one, make God's goal your own. Number two, keep your focus on the Lord. Listen, I've said this morning, keep your focus and listen. Listen to the, the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul here in verse 13 and 14. We're going to look at that in a second. He wants us to grab the gratitude of keeping our focus on the things that matter to us the, us the most. He wants to, he wants to grasp Onto us to grasp what is to, uh, what is to keep our mind in Christ. Let me tell you, folks. When we do that, 
Our life really changes for the better. Listen, you can focus on the things of this world, plenty of things to focus, or you can focus on God. And you say, oh, but I'll be missing out in life. You know who's missing out on life? Those who reject God every day. I mean, we think, well, poor me. Oh, poor me, I got saved, poor me, I go to church, I got to read my Bible, I pray. Oh, poor me, I'm missing out in life. No, you're not. You know who's missing out in life? Them. That's right. Because what comes to the end of days, you know where they're going. You missed out. What is better, to walk in the street of gold and see the throne of God and for all eternity live with, live with joy and gratitude of heart and sing praises to our Savior or go to a place of eternal torment? You see who's missing out? Sometimes you think, oh, poor me, I'm a Christian. You're like, I feel like all alone. Look at these people having all kinds of fun. Isn't Asap? Look that way in the book of Psalms. He said, when I understood their ends. That's a good psalm to read. He said, sometimes we think we're missing out. We're not missing out, folks. Right. Listen, I didn't get, listen, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I did not. I didn't have a Bible around me. I was saved. I already had two kids. I know what life brings. I know what's out there. I'm not naive to what the, Lord, the, the world offers. But you know what? I don't want to go there. It's not a good place to go. So keep your focus on the Lord. Listen, folks. People will disappoint you. People will let you down. Keep your focus on the Lord, not on people. You follow that? Look at verse 13. Brethren, I count on myself to be apprehended, but this one thing I do. Look what he says. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's very clear what he says to the Philippians here. Keep a forward focus on Jesus. You can't run very well looking backwards. You try that? Run forward looking backwards. See where you're going. <laughs> years ago, years ago, I was not running. I was walking forward with my friends, you know, my teenage friends. We were walking. Somebody called us, and I kept walking. We, all of us kept walking, looking backwards, talking. You know where we stop? On top of a car. <laughs> All of us are like, wow, this thing was not here. No, we were walking forward, looking backwards. That's what happens. I experienced that. It's not like you didn't experience that. So you can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. Well, you can glance at the rearview mirror, but don't keep staring at it because you're going to crash somewhere. If you're going to press, towards the mo- uh, press on towards the goal God has, has for you, you need to keep your focus forward at all times. How do you do that? There are three things, okay? Number one, get rid of all distractions. Verse 13, do you agree with me that our world is full of distractions on which can keep your heart and mind away from the Lord? You betcha. Our world is full of distractions. Full of them. You know what? And if we merge our minds in in those things, guess what happens? We give up on God. I'm not saying lose your salvation. We give up on God. And he goes in the ways of the world. And then, folks, I've been in church for a long time, and I tell you what, I've seen that happen over and over again. Over and over again. They find more appetite in the things of the world than the things of God. It cuts your heart. It breaks your heart to see that. But it happens. It happens with young and old. Not just young, old too. So, 
There are lots of things in this world that Satan can use as a bait in order to keep our minds away from the Lord. Don't allow that to happen to you. Don't allow Satan to have a field day with you. Keep your eyes on the mark. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I cut not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I'm sure Paul had many things going in his life, and yet he was able to focus all of his energy in one direction and say, one thing, one thing I do. I got rid of the distraction. I keep my focus on Jesus. I tell you, folks, there's many distractions in our world. How many things do you do? For an example, tomorrow morning, you get out of here, you go home tomorrow morning, first thing you get up, is the first thing in mind? I'm going to work. Okay? Don't leave home without God. Seek Him first. You follow that? Before you get to the door of your job, pray. Talk with the Lord. Ask Him to give you strength to put up with that people that is there. They're not saved. They don't speak like you do. You know, they can be discouraging. And you can come home like this. I give up. I don't go to that job anymore. You know what? You can pray. That people need salvation. You might be the only Bible they ever seen. My heart goes to you because I'm out there too. It's not easy to work with lost people. It's not easy. Okay? How many things you do? How many hats do you wear in a typical day? If you are, if you like most of us, you probably do a lot of different things and get pulled in a lot of different directions each day. It's hard to keep your focus when there are so many things to do. But you can run a good race when you are. You uh, you can't run a good race when you are totally distracted. How much? Now, much of what we do is good and necessary, but there are many things in our life that we, they are just simply distractions. They are not necessary. In some cases, they are actually harmful to us and to others. We need to get rid of distractions. We need to do all things to God's glory so that we have one uh, uh, overriding goal, which is Jesus. In the midst of our busy schedules, we need to be able to say with Paul, this thing I do, this thing I do, I live for the Lord. Let it be. Stop living in the past. Folks, there are lots of people who don't laugh or who don't let go of the past. Listen. Let me, let me explain this so you don't misunderstand me. There are many things that happens in our life that we don't forget. It's there. And sometimes they like little things that just pop in your mind and you go, Oh, sometimes they're hurtful things. Sometimes they're good memories. But they're there. But listen, but God doesn't want us to continue to relive those things. God wants us to move forward. Doesn't mean we forget what happened. Listen, in our path of life, in our journey to heaven, I mean, there's many things. There's, there's many bad people we find along the way. There's many good people. There's many things that is good build us up. There's many things that we don't even want to remember. Don't let that, don't, don't keep living the same thing. We remember, that's a fact. We, it comes to mind, but move forward. Think about it. The Apostle Paul, if he was going to live in the, in the past, he would say, I am no good Christian. I killed many of them. I persecuted the church. But you know what? He said, forget those things that are behind. It's been at the foot of the cross. I ask forgiveness. I move forward. Think, if you're possible to say something, think about what he did. Okay. 
get this. Some of you may recognize this. Looking in the back. Uh, many years ago, in a, it was a bronze scripture commemorating the race between John Lendy and Roger Bannister, I believe that's his name, during 1954 British Games in Vancouver. This was the race as the Miracle Mile was called because it was the first race in history to feature two runners who had both run the mile under four minutes. Lenny held the wood racket and he was actually winning this race when he made one critical mistake. He looked back, he looked back over his shoulder to check Bannister's position and as he looked over his shoulder on the left, Bannister searched him on the right and passed him and won the race by 0.8 seconds. What happened? He was running forward. He looked back. That was enough for him to miss and lose the race. After uh, this statue uh, was scoped, I'm sorry, let me say, as the, uh, there was a, actually a picture taking and a statue was made. And when he was asked after the, script, uh, the, the, the statue was made, uh, Landy uh, said these words. While Lot's wife was turned into a pill of salt, looking back, I, I am probably the only one ever turning to browns for looking back because they made a statue out of, out of bronze. I kind of joked about it. But that's what happened. When we look backwards, sometimes you just miss the boat here. So let's look forward here in a little thing. Where was I? So do you ever look back in such a way that keeps you from moving forward? In your Christian life, some people look back at their past and all the achievements and, uh, and accomplishments. Instead of serving God in the present, they, said, they say, I used to do this and I used to do that. What about today? What are you doing? Don't keep saying, I used to do that back then. What about today? God still God. God still loves you. God still wants you to serve Him. Listen, there's no retirement in the Christian life. Follow that? There's no retirement. So what do you mean? Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna serve the Lord anymore because I already serve Him. Listen, it, the Lord, when we cannot serve in this phase of life, the Lord moves us to something else and moves us to something else, and we keep serving the Lord. Listen, churches can be real good at this too. We can sit around talking about the good old days instead of focusing on what God has for us now. If God has used you in the past, that's great. But realize that God still has work for you to do. Don't ever settle for being a, or a has-been, for being an has-been. There is no has-been in a Christian life. Only people whom God wants to use now in the present. God wants to use you. Other people have the opposite problem. Instead of looking at their past success, they focus on their failures. And they're only focused on their feelings. They said, oh, there's no hope for me. Nothing I can do. And God says, I can make something out of you. You know what? God can make great things out of anybody. If you allow Him to work in us. Secondly, know that God was still has work for you to do. He is the God of second chances, the God of third and fourth and fifty chances, and He will never give up on you. In fact, He often uses your past failures to, to help you minister in the present to somebody else and say, listen, I lived through this. Don't do this. You know what? You become a teacher for something that you have learned in the past. Isn't that what we try to do to our kids? Don't go there. Don't do that. You know why? Because we live through it. We understand. Listen, please. There is... 
uh, there is effort involved in a Christian life. You are saved by grace, but that does not mean there is no work for you to do. God wants us to work, to save, to serve Him. Faith is not a decision you made in the past and has no effect in your life. Faith is something that you need to work every day. I don't, I don't know about you. It is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. That's right. Amen. I hope you... Let me repeat that. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. It's a song that goes like that, right? There's joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. Joy that, whatever is that goes. But there's a hymn that goes like that. Anyway, faith is something that keeps us going. If you're going to keep a forward focus in life, you need to get rid of all distractions. You need to be optimistic about today, about tomorrow, because there's no optimism in the past, just memories. Follow that? There's no optimism in the past. It's memories. So we look at today, and we're looking forward to tomorrow. They say, but tomorrow may never come. No. God is in the tomorrow. God might come tomorrow. You know that. So come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Number three. Oh, let us see. Press on towards your future. Look what it says in verse 14. I press towards the mark of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So this verse is all about perseverance and purposefully, purpose, I mean, purposefully living. There are thousands of people in this world who don't have any purposeful existence. They're just existing. They're just simply surviving. Listen, for the Christian life, is not. I'm just surviving. Listen, for the Christian life, I live in this world because God put me here. For the Christian life, not, I am living in this world because God sustains me and takes care of me. And when He's done with me, He takes me home. Amen. And I graduate to heaven. You see the difference? I'm not existing. I am serving. Amen. I'm not just going in this world as another human being. No, I'm a child of the King. That's, right. That's what it is. Wow. So we're looking towards the future here. Think about it. You have been saved from your sin. You have become a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You have a new address on Gold Street. You have a purpose for your existence. You make it account. Make it account. What God is, it, it wants for you is to run the race looking at the finish line. And imagine you're going to live on Gold Street looking at the throne of God. Wow. I'm talking about heaven is a sweet place to go. You need to persevere, and how do you do that? You need to have purpose. You need to keep your eyes on the goal. God has called you heavenward in Christ. Don't, don't live your life for earthly things. Live for heavenly things. Don't be complacent. I tell you what people say, whoa, I'm like, listen. God gave us all kinds of things to enjoy in life. But it's good to share those things, you know, and be, make God part of it. You know? Okay, so you have a new car. Rejoice with the new car. Give praises to God. You have a good job. Rejoice with, with the Lord and praise God for your job. You have a good meal. Thank God for the meal and don't complain about it. Amen. You say, like, but I don't like the food. Well, be grateful that you have some food. Who likes black eyed peas? You guys like black eyed peas? I have to pray hard to pray those. <laughs> but I try not to complain. My wife, I know my wife don't make, she's watching. <laughs> my wife don't make those anymore. But I tell you, I, I, I have to confess my sin to the Lord because a few times I complain about it. So yeah, I cannot swallow those things. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
When my kids were young, and we tried to teach them how to eat everything in the table, and they're looking at you. My Emily is like me with those big eyes. And they're like, I'm going to eat, honey. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so we need to keep our eyes on the goal, focus on the finish line. Remember that the, what the race is about. Keep your eyes on the prize. What happens in the race if you get close to the finish line? You don't slow down. You speed up. You ever see when, when uh, uh, people running marathons, when they get close to the finish line, they're tired, they're exhausted. What they do? They run faster. You know, because they want to win. How good it be when we cross that finish line, we have those crowns to give to the Lord. Amen. Amen. <sighs> get rid of distractions. Don't keep on looking on the rearview mirror. But straight, uh, straight towards what is ahead of you. Press on towards the goal to win the prize. That's how you keep forward, focus in life. So, number three, our last point. Don't lose ground in your walk. Look at verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if is anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, we unto, we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. So there are much things, uh, uh, there are such a thing as losing ground without with, uh, with our walk with the Lord. Yes, it is. Indulging our hearts and mind and the things of this world and wasting time and losing ground. L uh, loving the world more than loving God is wasting time and losing ground. You know, folks, time is precious. Yep. That's right. Time is a precious thing. I tell you what, there was a, I, I shared this Wednesday night, there was a brother of mine in, in the Lord, and uh, he, wow, he had a, one, one thing about him. He was a big complainer. He was a big, he was always dissatisfied, always complaining, he having with the Lord. But anyway, and when I went, he was dying of cancer. When I saw, when I went visit him, me and him, we would connect really good. We really did. And I remember sitting next to him and he said, well, it took me to this point to realize I wasted a lot of time. I could have served my Lord a lot more than I served. I really, if I, if the Lord takes this out of me, I'm going to change. Sometimes, you know what, I mean, the Lord took him to heaven. But you know what, time is precious. God give us every day 24 hours. Do we include God in every hour of the day? I know we have to sleep. We say, but I got to work. Yeah, put God there. I got to drive, put God there. I got to wash dishes, put God there. I got to take the garbage outside, put God there. How you do that? Commune with him. I remember years and years ago, I was a little kid. My dad took me to the farm. I was with my dad. And I remember, I never forgot that. I probably was, I would tell you, I don't know if those people were saved or not saved. I don't remember. But I remember this. There was a cornfield. And my dad, not my dad's land, but my dad, I don't know how he did it. But, you know, he had, he had it was time of the harvest. They had to get the corn. And uh, my dad, had like, what's like four or five guys there. I think it was about five. I was a little kid. My dad took me there. I remember this. They got that field all picked up, everything ready for the trucks to come and get the corn. And I remember when they finished, they took their hats out, and they said, praise God that we've done the job. They give God glory in the midst of the job. The job is done. I, listen, I don't remember their names, but I remember that, that scene. I still remember that I was a little kid. They give God glory in the end of the, the job. You know what? Is there anything wrong about in the end of the day? said, Lord, I made it through the day. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you an illustration. The other day a woman called me to ask a few questions. 
one of the questions that she asked was the order of our services. I told her that Sunday school was at 10 a.m., worship service was 11 a.m., and our second service was at 7 p.m. On Wednesday night, we have Bible study, prayer, and fellowship at 7 p.m. She answered and said, that's old school. And I said, I love it. <laughs> I said, I love it. I said, <laughs> it was an interesting conversation. So letter A, we see all mature believers will share the same attitude. There are two things in particular I want you to see from these verses. First of all, all mature believers will share the same attitude that Paul has been promoting here. There's a play on words where Paul, uh, here because of the, the word Paul uses for mature here is the same word to use, uh, to use for perfect. Back in verse 12 when he said he was not yet made perfect. Look what it says in verse 12. Not as, uh, not as though I have already attained, either we're already perfect, see? But I follow after that which I, I, have, I may apprehend, that, uh, that for which I also apprehend in Christ Jesus. See, the word right here, either, either we're already perfect. Paul is not saying like, I am perfect here. He says, I'm not yet perfect. Neither one of us, neither one of us is perfect. In other words, Paul's, uh, Paul's words, perfect means people, you, have, you are not there. We're not there yet. And Paul said, I'm not there yet. Part of the Christian maturity is knowing that you, not you did not arrive yet. Listen, may we never be so pious that we, not, we don't learn anything anymore. You know what? We become Pharisees. May we not be so pious and say, oh, hey, teach me. Teach me. I want to learn. I went to Pennsylvania and I preached in two churches. The same message. In the morning, I preached in that church. And I had people saying hallelujahs and amens. And a couple of folks got saved in that morning. I went to another church up Pennsylvania. And I preached in this church. And I'm not, be honest with you. I never see so much people so cold. They're like this. Try me. The whole service. I felt like awkward and out of place even to preach my message. The same message. May we never come to a point on which we think we have arrived. And you go, teach me. Listen, a growing Christian is a Christian that said, Lord, I want to learn. I want to learn. Teach me, Lord. Because we're not perfect. We didn't arrive. And Paul, Paul, right, of all people, you can say, oh, Paul was a super. No, Paul was not a super Christian. Paul had have, have problems and Paul had temptations like we all do. He was man made out of flesh and blood just like all do. See, mature, a mature believer knows that, he, he, that they're not perfect and knows that they're not arrived yet and knows that there's room to grow. Uh, let me give you this thing, about, this thing about John Newton won't confess. You know what John Newton is, right? He wrote Amazing Grace, okay? He says, I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I will be. But praise God, I am not what I used to be. You know, and, and the Lord is like, praise God, I'm not what I used to be. But I'm not there yet, Lord. Let it be. Live up to what you have already attained. And then finally, Paul closes with an exhortation to maintain your progress in your faith. In verse 16, he says, Nevertheless, we unto we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let, let us mind the same thing. The only thing said uh, uh, than not moving forward in our Christian life is going backwards. Don't go backwards. 
We are, we are all at different levels in our Christian growth, but each one of us should be in our Father's point along in our walk with the Lord so far. Otherwise, we are moving back. You know, we shouldn't make like some type of a survey once a year and say, okay, where am I in my spiritual walk? Am I better than the year before? It's, it's a healthy thing to do. Uh-huh. That's right. Listen, when we were in school, didn't you do that in your studies? I hope you did. When you were in college, if you went to college, did you do that in your studies? Am I better than, than I was last year? Am I progressing on this? Do I know more than I know? Well, it should be us in our Christian life, but never think that you have arrived because we know such thing as arriving in a Christian life. I conclude with this. The Christian life is a race. It is only two reasons. You, are not in the, you might not be in the race today. You might, you might never start the race because you never received Jesus as your Savior. Or, you know what? You stop running towards Jesus to save you. Some people get so close and they never get there. What about us as Christians? We have a race to run. You know why? Because it is a prize to win. I tell you what. Sometimes we don't think that way. But it's like this. All right. I have a race to run. I have a finish line to cross. It is a prize to win. What's the prize? Crowns. You know what? It's going to be a day. In that beam of seat of Christ. It's going to be a day in a marriage supper of the Lamb. Those days when we in heaven, when we come before our great God and say, Lord, I am glad I have this crown to give you. And that day is going to make sense. We're going to say, Lord, I am grateful. Here's the crowns. You deserve not me, Lord. You saved me. That's the reason I'm here. You give me a race to run with purpose. Praise God for Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Of all people, Paul was a man who persecuted the church. Paul was a man that wanted to kill every Christian. And Lord, you saved him. He changed. And when he saw what life was about, he pressed towards the mark. He never arrived, and he confessed that. But what encouragement... Is he to, was he to the Philippian church and to us today to keep our eyes on the finish line. In Jesus' name I pray.